this weekend like loads it's summertime weekend there was the impact emergence there was AEW rampage which was really impressive and we'll talk about that first in a minute there was loads of stuff happening in japan it was ddt peter pan day yesterday we're not going to talk about that because me and john are going to give it its full due at next week's show um there, there's a show from noah coming up next week there's always oh, it's all happening and to discuss all of this stuff is mr marcus green of baton rouge louisiana how are you doing sir Doing, doing okay on this Sunday, man. Always, always a good time when I'm talking some wrestling with you. I appreciate it. And always a good time to have you back on the show. So we'll start with AEW because a bit of stuff happened. Bit of business, shall we say. After seven years, the worst kept secret in professional wrestling, CM Punk <laughs> made his return to the United Center where he had a match with one John Cena some 10 years ago and blew the roof off the building in a hoodie and a pair of sweats. This was quite remarkable. And here's the thing. I was never a punk guy. I never watched a lot of punk matches, but I know what he means to wrestling business, and I know what he means to wrestling fans. And my skin was crawling with emotions when I saw CM Punk in front of the live crowd again. It was an incredible promo to cut, and he did an incredible job of saying exactly the right things at exactly the right time. Marcus, what were your thoughts on this incredible moment? No, I'm 100% right there with you, man. I've never really been a uh, punk guy either. I think the, the, the point at which I was probably uh, watching him the most in terms of like actively trying to see what this guy was about and doing was his stint in ECW, where I feel like even though that brand was very much treated like the third rate at the time, um, you know, I think it was a proven ground for guys like him, John Morrison, Swagger, a lot of other guys uh, during that time was putting in a lot of work on that brand. Um, it was just interesting seeing him coming up. Uh, pretty much after that, though, uh, not not really. I never really clicked with him like that. Um, obviously, he can go in that ring. Probably one of the worst elbow, top rope elbows I've ever seen. <laughs> um, you know, I think I put that right up there with Charlotte's moonsault. But... Having said that, I put that I'm right there with you, man. Like, even though I'm, I'm, you know, he's not one of my guys per se, I absolutely, you know, uh, commend him for the work he's put in, the hell he's been through, why he's put that work in, and uh, you know, obviously I'm aware of what he's meant to the to the business and what he what he means to it now. And and right there with you, to go back and watch it because I I didn't I didn't catch the show live, but to go back and watch it is is kind of awe inspiring. Like, it's it's really, like, you really feel a way as a true wrestling fan watching that. And it's just, like, the only times, like, I felt that way watching, like, like a wrestler come out and get that type of reaction is, like, um, I think when I think when The Rock came back uh, yeah. many years ago uh, to do the WrestleMania thing, um, Dolph Ziggler cashing in in 2013. Mm. Um blew off the roof, and when Triple H came back in 2002. Yeah. Wow. I mean, it's you don't get pops like that very often. Yeah. You know, that's, that's, this is the thing. It's like, 
there are places that I've heard pops like that in person in much smaller venues in front of much smaller crowds. And when you're there and you're mixed up in the emotions of that particular moment, CCK making their progress debut in Manchester was the one for me. Uh, watching Minura Suzuki make his debut in OTT in Ireland in that nightclub that OTT used to run of like 300 people crammed into a room that only meant to hold 100 and KZ and NRA hits. That's impressive, even though it's a small amount of people. But 15,000 people in the United Centre, you know, are literally the home court of CM Punk. It is his front room. That was an impressive thing to watch, even if you even if you don't get wrestling, even if you don't understand wrestling. And everything was perfect about it. Every callback, you know, Vince didn't give me any of this stuff, but AEW has. I even get to give you free ice cream. Like, it was perfect. Um, it was yeah. like he carried on from where he left off. Yeah, man, it was... <laughs> to, to see him get emotional when he when he had um, initially nailed down at the top of the entrance ramp, like, it was it was just some real beautiful... I mean, it, him, the audience, I felt like, the, the, you know, uh, part of the, the, the guys on commentary was getting, you know, probably getting caught up in it, but obviously somebody had to say something. Um, but it, I mean, it's really, you know, it's really something you could just watch on the loop. All those actual, uh, pops that I had mentioned, I, I, I've watched several times. Sometimes I just go in and watch them just to see it. Cause you really don't, it's hard to get that type of genuine reaction specifically when there's so much that you've seen so many things that have been done repetitively. And some of these guys honestly could go away for seven years and people <laughs> get about, them, you know, um, completely that like they never existed in the business at all so for him to you know go through the model like i said the hell that he's been through and like you said for him to get that perfect moment and it's hard to sum up a seven-year absence in, a, in in one sentence but you know the brilliance of him saying like you know i think this is the exact quote i was never going to get healthy staying in a place that got me sick in the first place yeah that was I, yeah that says it all you yeah. know it's WWE has become a lot safer environment in the last seven years, but a lot of that has been down to Punk and the actions that he made when he walked out on the company because they don't want to lose their top talents anymore. You notice when Sasha Banks was having trouble with her center, wasn't finding herself, wasn't enjoying herself, wasn't being Mercedes, as she put it. I was no longer Mercedes. I was just Sasha Banks. No one, even my mum, didn't call me by my first real name. They let her go. They let her have six months off. She went off to see Mako Satomura and got herself sorted out in Sendai and had some time for herself and came back to wrestling a much better and more fulfilled professional. That would have never happened in the old days. And Punk is responsible for wrestlers taking time and having time off and not to go do a movie or to go do a project, but to actually, you know, just... Um, just to have time for themselves and to, to develop as human beings because being in that environment is not healthy. We were discussing this week about the fact, like, you know, one of the people that came back at Punk was Kenta, who said, right, that forbidden door's open, I want to show at you because no one's seen Kenta versus CM Punk, you know, because CM Punk did take the go to sleep from Kenta, and that's the whole thing. And... Yeah. They've never had a match together in a big name match together, and people want to see it. And people are cracking jokes out of the Kento, are you sure you're fit enough to do it? 
And it's like, he's been in two G1s. He's run a New Japan schedule for the last two and a half years. And he stayed healthy because the WWE is the way of doing things isn't as healthy as people think it is, you know, because it's 200 nights on the road. It used to be 300, but at least it's down to 200 now. It's TV shows every week. It's stress and strain. It's worrying about your push. It's worrying about your friend's push. It's worrying about what will happen to you in the long run if you say this thing to the wrong person. If you sneeze, someone in Vince McMahon will fight you. Yeah, it's, you know. Yeah, yeah. It's weird. It's the most. It's the set because you know obviously the steroid thing, and you know we know about the guys. I mean, in, in Hogan's and those guys' eras, I mean, you know, a concussion, you know, broken bones and, and stuff. I mean, the Sabu stories alone. Um, yeah, uh, stuff and, and and God knows this is stuff that we don't know, but you know that was almost sacrilege to talk about um, anything potentially related to mental health, and it's even more so now, obviously coming out of COVID, I mean, coming out, we're still in it, um, and everything. And I just think everybody is, is really, you know, specifically when it comes to the, you know the sports world and the athletes, really checking in about the mental health, um, you know, which is necessary. But you know, to your point, like you were saying, and I'm glad you brought up that point about you know, talking about punk, um, you know, really setting that standard for, for people really checking in on their personal characters and checking out of their wrestling characters. Like, WWE in a lot of ways become safer in terms of testing and, and, and a lot of other ways, but they're also the reason why these people need to check in with themselves on, on a personal mental level because they're causing them so much mental and emotional distress. Like, they're, they're like the most safest, toxic work environment yeah, well, I mean, a lot of it goes with that certain attitude of, you know, when you've got, like, a boss like Vince McMahon, who, let's be honest, shaves continuously because he doesn't want a beard to win. <laughs> or he has that mentality. It's hard to get past. I was Chelsea posted something on yesterday. A senator was visiting a restaurant in D.C. that was run by five NFL players. And she, he had a selfie taken with one of the waitresses. And he actually said, she's not very well, but she came into work and that's the kind of, well, came into work anyway, and that's the kind of American backbone, kind of backbone to the American working way of life that we need. Um, obviously, the restaurant had to close down its Twitter feed from the complaints that it got from, like, you know, employing people who are sick to serve food. Because that's just stupid. And why are you employing sick people anyway? Why aren't you paying them to be home so they can get better and work for you? <laughs> but that's the WWF attitude a lot of the time. It's not as bad as it used to be, you know. Um, but again, a lot of it comes down to guys like Punk who have kind of like ensured that the work ethic has become, you know, the quality of the things you produce, not necessarily the amount of things you produce. Yeah. And I think that's that's what's kind of going on really with, with Punk and how he's helped WWE. And AEW doesn't seem to have that problem because they've got a big enough roster and enough show to rotate people around and give plenty of people opportunities um, to shine. Yes. And I, no, go ahead. Yeah, I was going to say, that's something Punk mentioned, isn't it? I've got Tuesday nights, and I've got, sorry, I've got Wednesday nights, and I've got Friday nights, and Saturdays and Sundays four times a week, four times a year to to be with you. And that was, like, that's really important. Yeah, and I mean, he, he talked about it, man. Like, And, and just the, the fact that he basically, 
said he left wrestling in 2005 and came back in 2021, making his, you know, entire WWE run essentially seem like a fever dream, like a long <laughs> dream. And I don't think, you know, a lot of people call that a shot, but I'm like, you got to understand, like, even me never being a punk guy, like, a lot of people, and he, this really lets you know just how content he is when he kind of brought up the fact, like, look, anything that I've done or action that I've took that have rubbed you guys the wrong way, you got to understand, you know, the space I was in because you could kind of feel and see a lot of that toxic energy that he had to carry from that place. I mean, he got served termination papers on his wedding day. Yeah. Yeah, it's just, it, it's, it, it just is what it is. And it, it's great to see him back in, in a way, in, in, in a happy place. Um, yeah, yeah, we'll see how other relationships play out. Obviously, Colt Cabana's an AEW wrestler, and they end, they ended their relationship on not great terms. So we'll see what happens. Someone else pointed out, noticeably one of the negative wrestlers of history in the AEW locker room, the happiest locker room in any major company has ever had. Will that be affected? But again, he seems to be in a happy place. So we'll see how it goes. But yeah, here's the bit. Carlos, Marcus. No, I'm like, he definitely going to get more eyes on him because people just go tune in just to, you know, like I said, it's like you said, it's the, it was the worst kept secret, but it's something even the haters were, were salivating at the mouth to see again. So, you know, they can turn <laughs> this. Definitely. Yeah. Right then, let's move on to the actual show. There was other matches. The AW World Tag Team Title Eliminator Tournament first round. Jurassic Express defeated Private Party, Jungle Boy and Luchasaurus. I mean, Isaiah Cassidy and Mark Quinn uh, in 10 minutes and 13 seconds in a cracking little tag team match. I didn't realize Jungle Boy and Luchasaurus had got this good, to be honest with you. They kind of snuck up on me, but they kind of seem to be the obvious team for the young books to face. Yeah, you know, they are like the literally the cartoon baby faces against the cartoon heels. So I'm I mean, private party are great, but, you know, this just just struck me how good Luchasaurus and Jungle Boy are. No, I mean, look, I, I've seen Private Part. I like Private Part. I still think they got a, a ways to go in terms of honing who and what they are. Um, they obviously got a lot of moves and what whatnot, but you know, um, we we've seen a lot of guys who have kind of had to just, you know, have, have gotten so over on the moves. They've kind of, you know, like I I go back for the character and the charisma later. Um, yeah. You know, so, you know, um, I, I still think those guys got a ways to go, but they, they definitely, um, you know, put eyes on them. It, it, I just feel like the everything just feels like it, it just flows effortlessly and it's just right with, with um, Luchasaurus and Jungle Boy. Um, yeah. It's cool to see because I think it's I think the reason why you probably haven't seen it, because you haven't seen a lot of them, because I think maybe the Luchasaurus has been out. Kind yeah, of, yeah. He's had some injuries issues, hasn't they? Yeah. So so they've kind of had to put poor Jungle Jack with, with stunt and there's no shot at stunt. <laughs> he's he's <laughs> lit, so he, you know, he's a stunt. Um it's only so much you can do before it turns into a comedy thing. Like I remember there was this match with, with um they did what I think um Penta and, and Phoenix where it just became like it, it, it almost became like they were doing a Saturday night live skit because of what was mm. happening, but um, yeah, it was it's, it's great to see. I think those two have a lot of potential together, and I hope they keep them together for a while. And I hope they, had, they actually take it off the Bucks 
because that, you know, they obviously super over with the crowd and whatnot. And, you know, um, like I said, it just it just came out effortless. The moves, like that move, I think he did like a backdrop and from Luchasaurus into a power bomb for uh, Jack. That was that was sick. So um, these are definitely four guys that you cultivate uh, consistently. Yeah, definitely. One thing we didn't mention, of course, was Punk announced his first match will be with Darby Allen, um, which is a mixed bag in the sense of it could be a great wrestling match and they're two guys that work on character and emotion. Mm-hmm. But Darby, Darby's, Darby Allen's reputation as an abuser, which has come to light in the last few months, is getting more and more eyes on it. I'm not sure if AEW want to do anything about it or if they have done anything about it. As Chelsea pointed out on her Twitter feed this week, she thinks it's great that Punk's back, but she's not going to buy a pay-per-view where she's wrestling somebody she will not watch. And I think that's something we've seen a lot of this weekend is people have had enough of this stuff. Um, uh, I suppose this is probably the best time to mention it. Will Ospreay headlined the Rev Pro 9th anniversary show in Manchester last night and came out to crickets. Literally, they played his music, they played the video, and everyone sat still. No one reacted to it. There wasn't booze, there wasn't cheers, there wasn't claps, there wasn't anything. Four guys stood up and clapped, and then when noticed nobody else was clapping, they sat down. Uh, karma is a, is, a, is a very weird mistress. Um... Yeah, and I mean, you know, shout out to Chelsea. I always appreciate her strong and and, and uh, consistent stance and her views on stuff. Mm-hmm. And definitely being on the right side of history. Look, it's just certain instances you just can't separate the art from the artist, and I 100% get that. Obviously, I think in certain scenarios that comes down to the individual. But you know, uh, with everything that we've seen in in, in wrestling uh, over the past couple of years, it's you know, it's 100% understandable. Uh, getting on the Twitter because every time I feel like I don't get on Twitter early something happened <laughs> Jesus Christ what bonfire from hell did I walk back into like, <laughs> like, well, okay. that was like, it was yeah. it was like because American fans who see only see Osprey in New Japan they will follow they would like following this 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 video post and the video post is like literally Four people clapping, then everyone sat down in silence. One guy wanders off during the middle of his introduction. Stan gets up on the front row and just wanders off. Then no one really does anything. Then the Americans yeah. are like, but, but he's, 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 he's such a star. It's like, not here. He's... <laughs> <laughs> and people are asking, what did he do? And they list, 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 list of things he's done. All right. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that makes, makes sense now. Exactly. But he's so good. I'm like, we, 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 don't, we don't care at this point. We've seen everything he can do. And I watched Resurgence, and it's, uh, you're only going to get so much fanfare from me, even without all that uh, personal stuff you, you call in Shingo the P-word. Like, are you serious? Oh, yeah. Uh, <laughs> you know what you're talking about right now? But, but yeah, it's uh, it's, it's, it's just, you know, it's, it's always interesting to see how those, uh, how those scenarios play out um, for, for guys like that. I mean, we haven't heard anything. I mean, Squirrel has went radio solid. Can't get a job. He tried. Um, they he, he went to the New Japan tapings at the bequest of New Japan for New Japan Strong on the second set of tapings, I think. Yeah. And the wrestlers said they won't work with him. 
because they, especially the Ring of Honor guy, said they definitely won't work with him because it would be they, they obviously he's been fired from Ring of Honor and stripped of his states with Ring of Honor, so they didn't want to work with him. And the New Japan guys weren't keen on working with him. Um, and when they heard about it, they got no end of complaints on Twitter, so they pulled him. Yeah, it's, uh, it's the thing. I think, you know, I understand sometimes like it's hard to see, um, you know, what's in front of you when you're in the fog of it all. But you know, I think that that uh, that movement, you know, that we we extensively talked about, you know, kind of pulled everything back and allowed people to see stuff for what for what it was, even if they was like close to it, or you know, because there's, there's so many conversations now about you know the cancel culture and whatnot, and I think mm. get, get a lot of people, you know can't stand it and, and, and wish it was never a thing and specifically people who have been canceled with the with the kind of mob mentality which I get but I also feel like you know it's kind of cut you got to take everything in context because people there's some people that absolutely deserve to be canceled like yeah. this, this stuff they're learning more information about this stuff with Elgin man and, and stuff and other people oh, yeah. like look man like <laughs> that's not the type of people you need to have around at all I don't care if they can you know, lift the tractor, throw it, or, or what have you. It don't. They got superpowers. It don't matter, man. These are not uh, no, on other people. And you know, we we kind of need to take stances, you know, like that, man. So. And it, and it, it it's um, Elgin's a classic example of you don't know about a guy because I kind of thought it was pretty good. Alex Edwards hated it always did didn't think he was a great wrestler didn't think he was a draw didn't think he could do the things that he needed to do to be a good new japan main eventer and then things started chinking in his armor when it came to his in-ring work because he did get repetitive and then it all the stuff and it wasn't like it wasn't there you know the the first real issue apart from the stuff with mo which of course has been really controversial because mo wasn't particularly uh Covering herself in glory either. So I was covering themselves in glory. I apologize. Uh, covering themselves in glory, glory either was the fact that he'd recorded that he essentially um, tied up an ex-girlfriend and urinated on her. So therefore, that without her permission. And it's like, well, he did that on Kevin Owens' uh, Ring of Honor. Well, Kevin Owens' um, shoot interviews on I can't remember what it was. It was years ago. And it's yeah. like, well, either one or two things happens. Either that actually happened in Fitch case you've sexually assaulted her, or it didn't happen, and you think it's okay to make jokes about sexual assault. And yeah. that's when things started to go wrong. You know, and the it's like, it's in one sense, in a court case that kind of fell apart, and there was no particular blame in either direction, that's one thing. But actually having recorded evidence of stupidity and horrible actions is completely another and you're right that they needed to be cancelled. You mean, yeah. um, the Skrull stuff, I think, is, you know, if it's been investigated by Ring of Honor and they don't think it, they, they think it's worthy of those actions, I completely agree with them. And there's the thing about Ring of Honor is the fact that, you know, we rag on Ring of Honor all the time for literally being a right-wing hellscape because they're funded by the people they're funded by, but they're the only ones who've actually done stuff about this. AEW did with Jimmy Havoc. Yeah. Um, but um, you know, uh, and uh, WWE NXT UK did with Ligero and a couple of others. Oh, tra- yeah. Um, oh, tra- Travis, ba- Travis Thingy, who was 
progress champion. Um, but they still have a couple of guys, uh, Dino Scalo being one, and um, oh, the Northern Irish guy. I can't remember his name now. But yeah, they, they have allegations against them, but they've never been investigated, and no action seems to have come of it, and they're on TV every week. Yeah, it's. I mean, it's, it's definitely interesting, but specifically, you know, getting back to AEW for a second, talking about Darby, because they, they have such a spotlight on them now, and even more so now that Punk's going to be there. Yeah. Uh, and, and, you know, between that and just being not, if they're not outright saying it, they're definitely making it a point to be the alternative to WWE, not that they're making it hard for them to be the alternative. Um, <laughs> but, um, yeah, I mean, it's because it's, I, didn't, I didn't even know that about Darby. I just, you know, um, knew that he was, you know, really on some daredevil type stuff. And obviously he takes it, you know, very seriously because I see this stuff every week. Yeah. Smishing his body with. But that's interesting. I mean, because it's definitely going to be, you know, and to watch what how AEW handles themselves with all this spotlight because they've had several instances of stuff. Like they had the, the Guevara thing and then yeah. – um, there may have, may not have been something that might have been you know minor, but still something to look at with uh, Justin Roberts, with like yeah. some thing or something. Um, yeah, there was they've that. They just got past the Max Caster thing, who's acting about as mature as a four-year-old with it. Yeah, that was um, that that horrendous comment. There was the commentator that said something about one of the the foreign talents. Uh, was it Excalibur? Yeah, Excalibur, Excalibur had to go off and do some retraining as well at one point. Yeah, I think it was him. I think it was somebody else because I want to say um, another, it, it was the, one of the young ladies he was on commentary with. I, I want to say it was Thunder Rosa that checked him about it. Oh, uh, um, right. Would it have been Shivani then? Skiavon, no. It, it, was an, it was another guy. I think, I think it was a, um, right. might have been on, on the Spanish commentary team. Oh, yes, now I remember. Yeah, because he said something towards a, a black athlete, I think. Yeah, so it's yeah. going to be intriguing how they handle that because, you know, with, with you know, uh, Khan and then obviously Cody at least promoting himself as being on the right side of history of things, specifically with mm. things because of who he's married to. Um, it, it's just going to be intriguing how, you know, if they can stay consistent across the board with stuff because. You know, stuff stuff happens, and with as diverse rosters they have, and you know, being very, uh, I guess, forward thinking and stuff, with you know them being allies to a lot of people, like with Sonny Kiss, and then obviously you have, um, I don't know what Nala Rose and stuff like that. Like you have to be very yeah, yeah. constantly mindful of of things, and then obviously keep your own talent in check. So, you know, go back to Darby Allen; he's a hot commodity. You yeah. know, Punk's not the first guy that's that's been interested in AEW because they saw that kid. Mm. So you know, it's gonna be interesting seeing how they, you know, like you said, stay stay on that type of stuff. Yeah, this is this is the thing. It's like they've done really well so far, but there is a couple of glaring ones that kind of slip through the net. So what do you do? I mean, it is. I think they probably in the Darby Allen case, he may have got too big to have dealt with it now, which is unfortunate because they should have done because. You don't know what else is going on if this has come forward. That's the whole point, isn't it? You know, like the Sammy Guevara stuff came up. They dealt with it. It went away, you know, in the sense of it didn't go away. It was dealt with properly. It was apologized for and they moved on, which yeah. is the way you're supposed to do it. You know, mm-hmm. and that's that's the thing. You know, we've had other indis- indis- 
other cases of people with serious issues uh, being on OTT shows this weekend in Ireland, you know, being announced for OTT shows. Um, and those people never even got investigated. You know, they were uh, progress. It was Scotty Davis. He he got suspended by progress and was told he would never work progress again. So there must have been something there. OTC suspended him, but now he's back. But they won't put him on the poster and they won't put him in the video. He's just on the card. Hmm. Anywho, let's move on to happier things. Well, not particularly happier if you're Kira Hogan. Jay Cargill <laughs> demolished her in a minute and five seconds, which kind of like, I can see where they're coming from, but you've just signed this big name in Kira Hogan, so feeding her to a monster for no apparent reason seems a bit churlish. Am I wrong? No, I mean, you know, specifically, you know, with me coming from Impact, I, you know, I love Kira. You know, um, I got to see her grow um, so much uh, and, and Impact and, and, you know, was kind of mildly taken aback when I found out she was leaving, but I understand, and, and obviously as an Impact fan, I have to stay in the mind that things are ever-changing. Um, but, um, but obviously, you know, you want to, you know, go and elevate specifically if you're going to be in a holding pattern potentially in a certain space. I think that's what kind of we, we may have seen with um, their MSK now, and uh, but the Rascals from Impact, yeah. now MSK, you know, they, they needed to elevate, so I get it. Um, I don't know how much elevation this was. Um, no. You know, she's she's on a, um, you know, obviously on in front of a bigger audience and whatnot. Uh, but she came across a specimen in Jade Cargill, who is, you know, maybe it, you know calling her a specimen might be taking it lightly. Yeah, <laughs> it lightly because you know the, the woman is is truly a vision. Uh, but Kiera is nothing to nothing to scoff at, even at her stature. You know, so. You know, the hottest flame got put out quite quick, and hopefully we see her maybe be able to build um, more if, like you said, they signed her. But, you know, I understand a lot of narrative with, with Jay Cargill, even if she's not as far along in her actual wrestling ability as, I guess, her arrogance would, would have you think. <laughs> like I said, she's a specimen. You know, she 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 looks the part. She talks a good game. And, and, and because of the way those type of, characters of book they don't necessarily need to do a bunch no. um, so so i dig it just you know i i, I root for for you know people like kira and um and, and as a my asterisk i would like to see another power move that bigger women do besides the um the beth phoenix finisher yeah you're yeah. they're allowed see the, i know why they do it it's the it's, it's the, the uh, the familiarity thing, isn't it? You know, it is just like back in the day, all wrestlers from Texas wore cowboy hats and did bulldogs because they were from Texas. <laughs> and that's, the, you know, if you were in Oakland, if you were wrestling in Ohio and your name was Tex Johnson, 10, as you know, you are guaranteed to be wearing a cowboy hat and have a bulldog as your finisher. I've seen these shows back in the 1950s. Going from Los Angeles and there's a text on there and he's doing a bulldog because he's from Texas. So it is kind of that thing. It's the familiarity thing, which makes common sense. But yeah, do something new, do something different. Yeah. I guess they're, they're going to give her the Goldberg run because it's really all you can do with her. The trouble is with that, she's got to lose at some point. That's the issue. You know, that is the trouble with monster runs like that and the all time classic monster run 
was the original Sheik in Toronto back in the ninth, early 1960s. And he sold out the Toronto Maple Leaf Gardens in Toronto for 52 Saturday nights consecutively or some ridiculous number like that. And then he rocked, then he lost to Tiger Jeet Singh. And then no one came and <laughs> everything dropped off for six months. Because when the big bad monster loses, everything goes, doesn't it? Then you've done. So they've got to be careful with how they present her, I think. Yeah, and then you also gotta gotta know eventually that monster is gonna want a prize instead of just something to feed on. Because, you know, she's going to ask for competition on the for so much before she's like, obviously nobody on this roster can beat me. I might as well go and, and pick off the little champion. Mm. And, you know, so, and, and while that's cool, you know, to your point, like, you got to draw that out a certain way. And just because, you know, you built somebody up to run it up against a champion, I don't mean that chemistry is going to be there. Um, because yeah. while I'm a Britt Baker fan, she has you know, done her stuff and she has her style and, and obviously she's submission based and then, you know, uh, but obviously Cargill's going to have the size advantage over most people. Um, and she may be, aside from obviously the earliest days when they actually had Awesome Kong come out early on, she might be the biggest they have right now, aside from yeah. Nala, you know, so. Yeah, I mean, they might get Argy back because... COVID, one of the reasons why she couldn't come over was she was contracted. You know, the, the, the monsters they had, they had Awesome Kong for a little while, but she couldn't stay because she was uh, filming um, uh, Glow. Yeah. Obviously, that, that's finished now, so they could possibly have her back. Aja kind of got stuck because of COVID and commitments to Oz Academy, which she'd already signed for. So um, there's possibilities they could have some other monsters, but it's probably better to have your homegrown monster rather than relying on legends you don't know how long they're going to be around for. Indeed. So, yeah, so that makes more sense. Right, main event, but which was equally not particularly very long, featured John Moxley defeating Daniel Garcia in his main event debut in four minutes and eight seconds. This seemed like ten times longer than four minutes and eight seconds. Are, they sh- are you sure? It's not like 15 minutes. <laughs> yeah. Um, uh, John Moxley with his friend Eddie Kingston, Daniel Garcia with 2.0, Jeff Parker and Matt Lee. I love 2.0. I've been a fan of 2.0 for about 10 years. They're amazing. And they're a glue tag team that will hold things together for a lot of people. I have no clue at all how the WWE let these two go because that proves they're really stupid. Because I just, you, you can. You don't let these guys go because they're not going to be, you know, the Rock and Roll Express. They're going to be the guys that make the Rock and Roll Express and they'll make every tag team you have for the next 10 years. And now they're doing that for Daniel Garcia instead. James, James. They have combinations like AJ Styles and Amos and Matt Riddle and Randall, and they don't need fresh, young, interesting, (laughs) entertaining (laughs) teams. They compare people with Randy Orton. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yes. Oh, there's there's another whole bunch of issues tagging around the Orton. Anywho. <laughs> so let's, let's yes, this was a ton of fun. Daniel Garcia, young, cocky challenger, comes on as a crack at Moxley and does his level best not to get killed. And bless him, he tried. 
<laughs> I mean, I, th- I think guys like Kingston and Moxley, who are a brilliant pair together, um, you know, I, I think that I think it gets drawn out because they they do so much uh, with their personalities that you're probably not even paying attention to, and they're, they're kind of kind of all encompassing individuals in terms of like crowd participation, energy, swag, some may call it. Um, but they really do a lot to, you know, they, they aren't selfish even. And I think, you know, that's that's who you want to get a lot of these guys to work with. And I think that's, you know, a good vibe that you have growing in AEW, specifically bringing in guys like Punk who actually want to help. I mean, you, you know, we talk about, you know, getting back to Darby for a second. They got him paired with Sting, you know. <laughs> yeah. Um, that's nothing to say good. Let's it. And, it's, and it's so great just to see him back doing, you know, some physical stuff when we, you know, thought at a time that that was done. So, um, but yeah, this was a quick, like you said, it felt longer than it does. But I think, you know, guys like Moxley and that can kind of extend that because of their personalities. But hopefully, you know, because I, I wasn't necessarily sure about how things were going to go with Rampage. But as somebody who you know, has has gotten used to, you know, some of these shows being way longer than they should. Having this show be one hour, bing, bang, boom, getting to the points, hitting them strong and, and, and you know, as they are, I think this is definitely the right direction. Hopefully they don't make the move extended to two hours. It's not necessary. You get them in, you get them out, you get them on to come back. And this was, uh, it was some good stuff. Hopefully, like you said, that tag team, which I, I wasn't even familiar with until they showed them here. Um, it kind of proves that AEW actually got a lot of tag teams like, um, you know, guys like the Varsity Blondes and, and, and some other tandems that aren't necessarily in the forefront, but are definitely people to watch out for. Oh, yeah. I mean, I, I know Jeff Parker Matley from Shikara. Um, they uh, were an important part of the Shikara story when they did, <laughs> when they did the uh national wrestling day and brought shikara back um the big fight at the end between uh the bdk and the rest of the shikara roster ended when um oh i can't remember the the band leader that was in um uh in shikara i can't remember his name now um he eddie kingston backfisted the future backfisted him into the future and then so they had to go and get him from the future using a DeLorean, obviously, <laughs> to get him back for the fight. And when they came out of the DeLorean, they went for the fight. And it's like, but before, even before that, like their tag team work is outstanding. And their ability to get people over is amazing. When they work babyface just as well as they work heel, they're like proper glue guy wrestlers, the kind you don't get nowadays. And yeah, they, they are... I don't understand why they haven't caught on anywhere else other than like the big name Northern Indies and now AEW, and I'm so glad that they have. Um, Daniel Garcia, don't know an awful lot about, heard a lot of things about him on the Indies. A lot of people were exceptionally happy that he got an AEW main event, um, and they think he could go far. And from what I saw, I think he could. Yeah, agreed. Right then. Oh, so yes, Moxley, just to finish this off, he has other unfinished business. Uh, a couple of weeks ago, before he lost, just after he lost the United States, IWGP United States Championship, he issued out a challenge to Hiroshi Tanahashi, who is, of course, now the IWGP United States Heavyweight Champion. Funny how that works. 
Um, where do you think we're going to see that? And are we going to see an AW or New Japan or New Japan Strong or, or at this rate, CMLL? I don't know. <laughs> I mean, it's, it's, a, it's a good place to be in as a fan because you really don't know where it's going to take place. Um, um, it's going to be interesting about the Japan point because with things kind of getting back uh, hefty with the COVID stuff, you know, things might shut down again. And, you know, you know, in Japan, they don't play. No, no. So, you know, it may very well take place over here, but I'm just, it, it, you know, in my heart as you were going on, I'm just golf clapping that the doggone U.S. belt is no longer on excursion. <laughs> <laughs> it was away for so long. So long it was. Um, but, but you know, shout out to the to the legend, uh, Tanahashi, with that, that great shot at the Coliseum that they did with him. Uh, as he uh, was up there at the end, but uh, yeah, I don't know. I don't know. I'm just looking forward to the match. It may, uh, they might end up doing it in AEW. Um, where's it going? Well, in AEW New Japan. Well, the first defense goes to Kota Ibushi at uh, the next Grand Slam event in September. So we'll see. Yeah. Uh, I, I can't see it. because because of this challenge, I can't see Kota taking it because obviously the big one of the match is Moxley. But do you save that for the Wrestle Kingdom, for the Tokyo Dome, when you know you've got one money match there, when you don't really know who you're going to get? Because Ibushi's had time off with lung problems, and half the top end of the roster stuck in the States at the minute. They've sent them there to try and freshen things up and put more pressure into what they're doing in the States. Because Finley, Juice, Jay, Nagata, and Ishii are staying in the States. So, yeah, there's lots of questions to be answered. So we'll see, I guess we'll see how it plays out. Uh, of course, you will be happy that our boys Goto, Yoshihashi, and Ishii will now be never open weight six-man tag team champions for even longer, as long as Ishii is in the United States of America. Oh, of course. No, of course. Yeah, that's, that's, that's the real reason to be happy. <laughs> true. <Okay. laughs> Honestly, best six-man tag team in the world, possibly ever. Okay, so we're going to move on to Impact Wrestling, which actually aired the day earlier before this. And I bet they're glad they got this out of the way before the weekend. (laughs) Oh, because so much happened. Um, Yeah, so this was Emergence, which was uh, basically a TV show, but it was pay-per-view, really. Oh, it was a pay-per-view. It was pay-per-view, yes. So we'll have a look at this. It wasn't one of the big ones. It was a reasonably large one. Um, but it felt an awful like a TV show, so we'll go with what we've got. In the opener, Matt Cardona defeated Rohita Raju with 11 minutes and 35 seconds. 11, like, I'm not being funny, but these matches seem to last longer. This was perfectly fine, considering the people involved. I'm not a big fan of Rohit, not particularly a big fan of Matt. Told the stories, said what they needed to say, moved on and got out of the way. I'm quite happy with this. What do you think of it, Marcus? Yeah, you know, it's funny because I am uh, a, a fan of Rohit because he, he kind of was, you know, a, a you know, bit of a scrub. And then, you know, he elevated and got the X title and showed a lot more personality and a lot more in the ring. And um, just <laughs> getting to see Shira not doing that stupid shoulder thing. Uh, <laughs> it's always a, a bonus. Uh, and and I'm, I'm really not a big fan of Cordona or Chelsea. Nothing, it's nothing personal. I'm glad yet another wrestling couple gets to um do their thing together <laughs> you know i would have preferred the, the result go the other way but like you said this was fine didn't didn't overstay as welcome did what needed to do and, and it was the first match so they went ahead and got it out the way 
Yeah. I mean, I like Rohit when he's doing the Rohit thing of trying yeah. to get sneaky wins and stuff, but this wasn't doing the Rohit thing. This was just being a wrestler, and I yeah. don't think that's where his strength lies. Yeah, also, also real quick, and I want to definitely ask you about this. Like, it's, it's funny. I think it was John when we was, was talking about um, – you know the whole impact breakdown that we did. Uh, you were talking about how like impact now feels like a like a really good indie, and yeah. uh, this match I was like, like that's such a great assessment to everything else that's going on with impact. But it's it's interesting when you plant somebody into that because Cardona still is heavily rooted to me in that WWE style of match. Funny you should mention that. Did you hear about the GCW show at the weekend? No. And another thing that happened at the weekend. So, <laughs> uh, GCW had a big show at the weekend. I can't remember what it was called. But the main event was Cardona defending his GCW Heavyweight Championship for the first time. The least popular man in GCW history, obviously, because he's a WWF guy, so a WWE guy who came in and beat Nick Gage in a death match. And they hate him. Like, proper hate him like nuclear heat hate him uh like they have to actually literally escort him to the ring because they hate him that much oh wow and um yeah and he turned up for his first defense dressed in the same outfit vince mcmahon did when he defended the ecw title for the first time jesus christ <laughs> <laughs> I think he actually wants to get murdered on a television show. <laughs> as, a, as a young black man in Louisiana, having to watch that entire stint with Vince was a different... <laughs> <laughs> not the footsteps you want to follow in, Cardona. Like, no. Got... Come on, man. I, th- I, 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 think he, I think he's absolutely having the time of his life being a heel after 12 years of being a pure white meat baby face. Um, and I don't think, I don't think even he kind of thought he'd get the reaction he's done, he has done from the GCW fans. I thought there'd be like, you know, a little bit of respect for him for being a pro, but no, they hate him so much. And because he defeated Gage as well, even more so. <laughs> I mean, I, he's probably not felt nothing that genuine in terms of crowd reaction since he was getting that build of the, the beat doll for the U.S. title, I think, in 2011. Yeah, yeah. And, you know, and it's, it's different. It's not 10,000 people in an arena. It's 1,000 people in a theatre. Yeah. But he's earning good money. He's got to be earning good money. No, I saw what he looked after that. <laughs> I saw what he looked like after that street fight. <laughs> yeah, absolutely happy for him because I mean this, this got to really be what you know he he's you know in the, you know wanted to do and, and really he's he's in the grunge of it and it's real. I just hope it don't get more realer than he's anticipating because that GCW crowd it's it's cult like and it's it's rallying around Nick Gage like he's built a a, a different type of you know environment down there. Yeah. Um, you know, so the fact that him of all people, you know. It, <laughs> It's not like Punk came and took the title. It was it was Matt Cardona. Like, <laughs> um, you know, they don't they don't care about no no radio play or none of that stuff or woo woo woo. Like they don't. That's ironically enough. That's probably how they exactly see him. They don't like they don't see the beard. They don't see his you know his hot fiance. They don't see none of that. They no, see no. The, the dweeb that came in here and, and got one over on us. You know. So. Yeah, that's it. That's that's what they're after. After and it's been played brilliantly. Gotta give hats off to GCW for doing. 
really good things. So anyway, we'll move on. Next, Decay, Black Taurus, Crazy Steve, Havoc and Rosemary Defeated, followed by No Way. And Savannah, it's what, No Hey Jose, let's be, let's be honest. Savannah Evans, he's not, she's not allowed to be called No Way Jose anymore. No Way or Jose, but not three words together in a row. And Tasha Steele's in eight minutes of the, again, this seemed to last forever. I don't, I'm not complaining either. It was a good match. Um, maybe it's because I just watched too much wrestling. For those who don't know, I actually watched DDT Peter Pan because that's the next week's show. And so I was on my about seventh hour of wrestling this morning and I was like, yeah. it was going to the thousand yard stare on this particular match. I don't know. But yeah. this was really good. I like it a lot. No, I'm right there, which I mean, you know, to, to those listening, yes, even even the, the legend, the legendary uh, James True Penny can get over overwhelmed with the amount of wrestling. Again, <laughs> <laughs> too much of even what you love can be a bad thing. Oh, it like, can. It can, yeah. definitely. Um, um, I'm right, yeah, I'm right there with you on this match, though. Like, I love Decade. Like like I said, I think, you know, one of the more interesting, you know, tales in terms of factions in the company um, that wasn't just a bunch of WWE guys, you know, coming over to take a vacation has been the evolution of the Decay faction. Like, nobody saw it coming. I don't think it was ever supposed to take off the way that it did. And the fact that it had its first run and now it's having this run, um... It's amazing. I think you know adding havoc to it, which I'm not was never really the biggest fan of her, but I think she she fits in perfectly. Like that shot of all, well, three of them biting on, on <laughs> <laughs> I thought was was brilliant. And uh, you know they just beat the other team with just you know experience and chemistry. Um, and, you know shout out to No Way. Like I said, the fact that he's there means CJP is now, which makes him damn near national treasure. So. <laughs> Uh, in, my, in our eyes, anyway, and uh, yeah, and it's also cool to see Steels elevating on her own as this Kira is going on to do what she's going to do, and and catching this, you know, this new Savannah who, who's new to me in a way, Savannah Evans, and seeing that mm. particular tandem. So, has has TJP just bought off to New Japan and isn't coming back? I mean, we can live in hope. <laughs> I have no idea, but I mean, clearly, you know, Impact now has a thing where if they need to get rid of someone, storyline or otherwise, the undead realm is now that narrative. It's, yeah, it's, yeah, that's true. Also, this this is our third Black Taurus match in two weeks because he wrestled twice at Triple Mania. Yeah, that that was also another little fun affair. A lot going on on Triple Mania, but a lot of interesting stuff. Too. <laughs> <laughs> oh, Lordy. In a wrestling week where Flair twinned twice for two completely different reasons. Oh, <laughs> well, we we don't know if that was Flair. Yeah. However, private yeah. jets. Anywho, we'll move yeah. on. <laughs> um, but yes, uh, also Rick Flair also stated in an interview this week that he thinks Kenny Omega is one of the best wrestlers in the world, which will make people really angry. Um, but yes, I thought this was really good. Um, this was something I was going to say. Oh, no, no, I mentioned it. It was a black tourist thing. Right. Next up was Steve McClin, and he defeated Pete Williams in nine, minute, 98, no, nine minutes and 58 seconds. This was, again, a nice little rounded match to get Steve McClin over. Uh, Pete Williams doesn't, doesn't really bother if he loses. Really. He's always going to be there or thereabouts in the X Division. So this was a nice little way of getting a younger wrestler over and trying to make him and Pete Williams is just the guy to do that with as an impact wrestling legend. Your thoughts on this one, Marcus? 
Yeah, I, I dig it. You know, um, you know, PD is another one of those guys who can he he's in that that nice sweet spot where he can pick up some momentum and, and go on like a singles tear if he wants to. And obviously, uh, I'm always rooting for him because he's he's had probably one of the best moves that that come in wrestling, just so bastardized. Um, and, and he's always come off like a quality guy. He's been really loyal with impact and everything. It's such a a foundational pillar for that company. But you know he. He's another one that can do his own thing or, or come along and help guys like Macklin, who, you know, um, it was cool to see. It, it was a, it wasn't a squad like him. He just dogged uh, Williams out. Like Williams almost had his number, but Macklin kind of just more aggressive, wanted more, and then then kind of just picked him up and dumped him. You know, so Macklin's coming along. Nice. It's gonna be interesting to see what they do with him. So. Yeah, it's um, it's yeah, and it's this this is the thing. It's like. Impact get signed the right guys at the moment and everything just bubbles under nicely, you know. Um, and getting people back, for instance, the next match, Madison Rain out of retirement and has kind of formed a group with Caleb Connolly and Tennille Dashwood and she defeated Taylor Wilde. There's another person I never thought to see out of retirement. Seven minutes and 27 seconds. Excellent match. Does what it says on the tin. Gets Madison Rain over as a sneaky eel which is what she's supposed to be and what she excels at. Um, yeah, I kind of don't know why she retired to come back six months, or is it 18 months later? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, it, it's funny, like, it's, it, you know, I actually, you know, had the pleasure of uh, interviewing her um, for, the, for the mag. Mm. Um, uh, so she, you know, she's, uh, you know, amazing person um, and, and really wears a lot of different hats. Um, so I just think she kind of just kind of, you know, wanted to take on some different ventures. But it's it's funny because, like, a whole, like, storyline out of the characters that she always comes back to impact. I feel like that's the the character's narrative. But um, it's also interesting that she kind of formed this whole thing with, with Tennille and, and Caleb, you know, via her talk show, which to me is, is always entertaining with the ever slick, you know, Johnny Swinger. Um, <laughs> but, yeah, it's, it's cool to see Tyler Wild back. And like you said, this was... You know, getting Madison back into the thick of things, and, and while while's gonna have to kind of rally some allies, um, she's gonna continue to, to be outnumbered. Specifically, she's looking to build momentum potentially towards a, a title match. So, um, but yeah, yeah, it's, it's interesting seeing this this little tandem, and uh, Caleb is continuing to be entertaining in this in this role. We've seen him in so many different ones over the years, but it just looks like he kind of found a little sweet spot for himself. Yeah, that's it. I mean, he's constantly employed. Before this, he was uh, kind of mid-card fodder on the NWA because I think Billy likes him a lot, and then he was in Impact before that, and I've seen him all sorts on big big, big indie shows, traditional indie wrestling companies like um, West Coast Wrestling Connection in, in up in Portland and places like that where his kind of wrestling works really, really well. He's not going to be a PWG uh guy or ring of honor guy he's got a very traditional kind of style but it adapts itself really well to playing playing the fool like this which is really what he excels at there's nothing wrong with being a stooge in wrestling it's a good way of making a living and he's doing it really really well you know all right so the next match was the number one contenders match for uh the x division championship sorry the world championship which defeated ace austin chris saban moose and sammy callahan and at this point i checked out because, yeah, 
I have watched far too many Sammy Callahan matches in my life, and I don't think I need it anymore at this particular point. I'll let you know when I do. Marcus, tell me what happened. <laughs> well, uh, uh, to, to, to hopefully to your satisfaction, Callahan didn't win. <laughs> yes. That was, yes, that was that was ace. Um, and I, I mean, look, you know, Austin Saban has his. Um, if anybody else would have won, uh, I would have wanted to be Saban because Moose has had his shots. Callahan has certainly had his shots, um, but Ace has just kind of been going back and forth for the longest time. Ice oscillating between X Division and wanting to be world champion. Um, it, it's come quite obvious that Fulton is, is only ever going to be as much of a monster as they need him to be. Um, mm-hmm. so outright monster on his own, so he's going to be continuing to be Ace's right hand. So it's going to be interesting now that he is going to be going up against a particular champion that we're going to get to uh, later, uh, seeing that they're lining up the younger guys to go up against the vet, which is cool. Um, I always appreciate these matches because they could always be clusters, and these guys make them look look normal. Um, I do think <laughs> it is consistently one of the dumbest things when people do chops on Sammy Callahan, who is wearing <laughs> a flat jacket. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, it's just like that. Take it off first. Yeah. Yeah. Anywho, let us move on to the Impact X Division Championship match. The current champion, Jake Alex, sorry, Josh, Jake Alexander and Josh something. No, Josh Alexander uh, defeated Jake something in 17 minutes and 14 seconds. This scored 8.93 from the cage match users on 26 votes. I will tell you that most of the New Japan main events this year haven't scored that high. That's how good this was. This was exceptional. Jake something has actually kind of catapulted himself and was given the opportunity to catapult himself into the limelight. And Josh Alexander is talented enough to make himself and make him at the same time. This does not happen often, my friends. This was an exceptional match, which kind of redefined both wrestlers. Alexander kind of has the world at his feet now. He, I think, is your long-term bet for an Impact Wrestling Champion. And when... Ethan Page left. I'm guessing a lot of people wrote him off because he isn't the most interesting personality, whereas, you know, he can, Ethan Page is entirely personality, all ego Ethan Page. That's his thing. Um, but I think Alexander's in the right place to run this company for a long time if he wants to. What are your thoughts on this, Marcus? 100% in agreement. This match was what I was hoping it would be for both guys. I, I kind of came into a new one. Uh, or figuring that 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 Alexander will retain because while you, you drop it off him, he's you know the hot, one of the hottest things going right now, um, and, and something you know is is you know has gotten some a lot of wins on his belt, but um but also he could have you know came out of this looking strong in defeat, you know he got a, a a lot ahead of him in terms of you know future championships and stuff, and he's really been you know a breakout star for me, kind of bubbling under the surface because. Honestly, you you know this. In past regimes, both these guys would have been, you know, left by the wayside. You know, getting mm-hmm. broken from a pair. Um, yeah. So to to see both of them, you know, kind of, you know, like I said, building up their own steam. Specifically, Alexander, who, like you said, could have easily been, you know, uh, you know, undercut by a lot of people because it it, it was um, Paige who was a lot of that, you know, that character with that. You know, but I always was checking out Alexander because I'm like, this guy got that gear 
that if he turns it up and they and they let him use it right, he could be a game changer. And that's exactly what they're doing, and it's it's one of the best things that they could have did. So, um, and like you said, the fact that he can, he's just getting you know started with his his stuff really, and the fact that he could do that for somebody like Jake who is clearly um, ready and, and geared up like Alexander to go against anybody in any scenario. Um, I, I just think this is this is a perfect storm match, and this is the match that you watched this show for. Yeah, this was exceptional. Uh, right then, we move on to the next match, which is another match that's kind of setting stuff up. This is one of the reasons why this card didn't feel like a big pay-per-view. It was just a bunch of stuff that kind of happened, if mm-hmm. that makes sense. Yeah. Um, Diana Perrazzo and Matt Rewalt defeated Molina and Trey Miguel in 10 minutes and 15 seconds. And a match that sets up Molina and Deanna Parazzo. I think they're meeting at NWA in power, aren't they? Uh-huh. If I remember correctly. So, yeah, so it's kind of like uh, it's impact's take on a match that will happen somewhere else because it's getting <laughs> confusing now. Um, Molina, of course, is an NWA wrestler. She has been asked to go do that for um, Mickey James, who is running Empower. Um, and Parazzo and Molina were the kind of um, how can I put it? They were the glue that kind of put this match together. Rewalt, I've seen a fair bit of, but not 100% of. And obviously, Trey Miguel's well known with Impact Wrestling fandom and is exceptional. Rewalt is looking like he's a good addition to the company. Um, Parasso has kind of gotten away from Kimberly and Suzanne, or um, I can't remember what she is now. <laughs> She's back to the other <laughs> character that she has. I can't remember her name. Oh, freaking uh, Susie, Suzanne, um, uh, dog, um, it's the killer bride. Why can't I think of her name? Yes, um, the undead bride. That's her. Yeah. Anyway, it her. Um, <laughs> so yes, um, so she's kind of moved away from them and has kind of got a more serious business partner, and it shows evolution of Parasu's character. Again, Parazzo, double champion. She was the current Reina Starreyes, uh women's champion of AAA and Impact Wrestling champion. She can do no wrong, and she is really the big star of the company as far as I and a lot of other people are concerned. And a match with Molina kind of seals her legendary status in this run she's having, which is kind of unparalleled for knockouts women, really. Um, what's your thoughts on this one, Marcus? Again, I'm I'm right there with you. I I think because um, I th- I thought this pair of uh, Parazzo and Ryan Holt were um brilliant at the homecoming uh special they put on um which was that that king and queen tag tournament. Mm-hmm. Which also, I think they could do annually uh, if they continue to do it right. Because I I just I, I like the concept of the intergender uh mm. concept. I think they really did it well. Um, so I like them together. You know, they they've been keeping that momentum. Trey, you know, obviously fresh. They did some little flirting on a recent episode of Impact. It's always cool to see Melina still doing her thing. Trey is continuing to build. Um, he's another one that in past regimes would have got kind of just you know left in the fodder, specifically coming out of a trio, much less a tag team. Yeah. So, you know, it's cool to see him. Um, you know, linking up with somebody like Melina, maybe building something with that. I don't know how long. Melina's going to continue to, you know, be with Impact. Hopefully, we'll get more of her um, in that potential working relationship. But, uh, yeah, this match was fine. But like you said, it wasn't nothing that, you know, 
uh, I guess you can go out your way to watch outside of, a, you know, putting on a regular episode of Impact. Yeah, that was it. And to be honest, I think the World Tag Team title match that was next kind of suffered that same kind of fate. Uh, Good Brothers, Doc Gallows, Kyle Anderson, they defeated the current champions, I should say. They defeated Violent by Design, Joe Deering and Rhino, along with Rich Swan and Willie Mack in 10 minutes and 51 seconds. And I saw the lineup for this match. I was like, oh, God, not another multi-team tag title match. And it wasn't terrible, but it was Joe Doring's match. If you if you could if you were using a tag team to push your guy as a singles wrestler, Joe Doring looks like an unstoppable force in this particular match. And he manhandles Doc Gallows and Kyle Anderson around, which is kind of what you want him to do. Because if you're breaking him up from Rhino, which appears to be what the storyline is, uh, because Eric Young was mad with Rhino because Rhino was the one that lost the match by pinfall. Um, that's a good way of, of setting that particular story up. But then it does strike me as why are Rich Swan and Millie Mac, Willie Mac there? Why do you need them there? They seem superfluous to requirements. <laughs> and you could have told a much neater story, especially with Doc and Carl, who have been a bit lackluster as of late. If they only had one team to concentrate on. I don't know if they keep throwing teams on it to hide the fact that uh, Good Brothers aren't as good as they once were. Or if the Good Brothers have just got lazy. Or if things just aren't clicking the way they should and the booking for this is just a bit all over the place. But I kind of would have thought if you're trying to tell the story of Doring and um, Rhino breaking up and you want to push Joe Doring as a big, bad monster singles wrestler, which he is, then you kind of have this as a regular tag match, don't you? Or am I overthinking this? What do you think, Marcus? No, I think you're right on the mark. I think it's a mixture of all that. I mean, you know, obviously, um, never to take away any... uh, legitimate credibility from the good brother but you know i think lackluster will, will hit it on the head in terms of you know how this has been going i think they're still champions because it fits that that work relationship narrative not because they need to be um or that it really serves the the division ultimately because honestly and i'm right there with you why they keep doing these um multi-man uh Tag match, multi-team tag matches is, is is getting redundant and it's really killing the tag team momentum uh, for the title. Specifically, if you just can, if it's gonna be a foregone conclusion for God knows how long that the Good Brothers are just gonna sneak out with the win. Um, yeah. Thorn just had a cracking match with with Gallows. Um, kind of kind of a big man thing with Gallows, and that was cool. But to me, because um, I, I I've been pulling for Swan and Mac to get to, to get the straps. To me. They should have never took it off. If I'm booking it, you don't. They, Violent by Design never lost it. And yeah. you can tell that same story about Joe and and Rhino and the whole thing. And it makes more sense to have, you know, somebody like Swan and, and Mac and a few with them long term in this whole thing against that particular faction um, and eventually take advantage of that particular uh dissension between the two because who's caused rich swan more hell than ey so how so much come up is would it be for him to the him and matt because both of them have been there for each other and and taken up for each other in a lot of those those beefs uh specifically uh willie mack has had swans back in a lot of stuff specifically when he was world champion so talk about the ultimate payback for (laughs) for ey who's injured to see swan you know, nab yet another title away from him. So yeah. I just it think made, 
Yeah. I, th I think you're right, but either way you look at this, it's about Violent by Design and Rich Swan and Willie Mack, and it's not about the Good Brothers. Yeah. And you could have had two pay-per-views out of these two ma these matches, or you could have TV, and it just doesn't seem to make any sense. The only yeah. time the Good Brothers have looked good was in that stare down last week on um, Resurgence when G.O.D. came out, because that's been brewing for months. Doc and, Gall Doc and Anderson defended the Impact Tag Team titles. Uh, I can't remember who it was against, to be honest. Was it Finn Juice? No, it wasn't Finn Juice, because Dave Finley was wrestling Jay. Um, they, well, they had a match anyway. <laughs> and it came down to G.O.D. coming out at the end of the match and staring them down. And that's been brewing on Twitter for two or three months because the Good Brothers wanted back in Bullet Club. And Tama Tonga and Jay White said, no, you ain't good enough anymore. You know, we, 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 we've done all that you did and we've done some more and we didn't need your help. Where have you been? And, yeah. and that's, that's a story to tell. And it seems like the Good Brothers have got their teeth into it. Plus, they're wrestling their mates. And when you notice wrestlers wrestle their mates, they tend to do a lot, try a lot harder. <laughs> and I'm, and I'm just, just you mentioning G.O.D., and obviously I'm biased, but just that concept of, because of, anybody that, that follows Tom Tonga knows he wants all the smoke all the time and usually starts, you know, tries to start stuff on Twitter because it's like he keeps the breast of everything, specifically when it's the stuff at the Bullet Club, so he's calling people out and whatnot all the time, so to see that stare down was really cool. But also, it it means more to watch a Good Brothers match if it's against, you know, G.O.D. because there's actually something there. Here, like I said, the only reason why I feel like they're even still champion is because of this whole thing with Callus and Omega. Yeah, that's it. It doesn't make any sense. And, it, yeah, that, that match with G.O.D. isn't about titles, but it's five years, six years in the making ever since... The day they left New Japan Pro Wrestling on the Monday morning after the Tokyo Dome, you knew that those two teams would wrestle each other again somewhere down the line, and we've waited for it. Now, Good Brothers and G.O.D. are not the two best tag teams I've ever seen wrestle, and I don't think the match will be great, but yeah. I want to see it. <laughs> it's a match I want to see. Yeah, it's a blood, it's a, it's 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 a blood match like that that beef because the whole Bullet Club dissension and and now obviously with the breaking off of the All Elite, it's it's turned that that whole concept so topsy turvy and and, and Tonga has been in a lot of that confusion because it's like it just got to the point where it's like it just got to be God right now because this Bullet Club crap is getting out of hand. Like yeah. it is so for them to the clash, I think it, it's really it's damn near necessary. Um, and, yeah. the, and the greater narrative of that story that New Japan has been telling uh, telling for the longest. And when you have Tom Appel with Jay White, who basically sunned both Gallows and Anderson, telling Anderson <laughs> <laughs> Jay is a, that Jay is a whole savage. He told Anderson he peaked when he lost in the finals of the G1 and told Doc, <laughs> <laughs> you never peaked at all. <laughs> so, <laughs> so you almost have to do it by, by sheer... You know, on the principle of it, it got to be done. Yeah. Jay is on another level. <laughs> a whole other level. There's a level, and there's a level above that, and then there's Jay White. That's where he's at right now. He's he's the best heel in wrestling. I don't care what anyone says about anyone in WWE. <laughs> Jay White can own them all in one sentence. He's the best promo going. You know, when you, when you think back to the dojo and that nervous little kid from New Zealand, 
<laughs> and now you think of him now, it's like, yeah, he knows what he's doing, up and down. Right, to our main event then, Brian Myers. I think this must be his first world title shot ever in any company. Am I wrong? Uh, he, he challenged the current Impact Wrestling champion, of course, Christian Cage, who won the match over uh, Kenny Omega uh, on a Dynamite a couple of weeks ago to start his second run with the Impact Championship. I think his second run. Um, he, he had a run with the NWA Championship when it was with Impact. And, yeah. of course, he, he had the Impact Wrestling Championship when he was in Impact when they swapped over the license. And he was, a, well, he was TNA. And he had his, so this would be his first Impact Championship, his second TNA Championship, because he's the Impact and TNA Champion. They merged those belts last year. Um, yeah, um, the former Kurt Hawkins versus the former Christian. <laughs> this, was, this was really just good nuts and bolts wrestling. It was kind of very WWE-ish in the sense of the kind of modern WWE match you would kind of you kind of see. Nothing wrong with it. Absolutely fine. Did what it said on the tin, and it was there really to cement Christian Cage's kind of the savior of Impact Wrestling and kind of fixed a lot of the problems we were talking about with Kenny Omega. The, the advantage of Christian being the Impact Wrestling champion is he's a former Impact guy who spent time in Impact. Yeah. Um, which kind of fixes an awful lot. I don't think it's completely there. Yeah. Um, um, but having said that, you know, it, it, all the things we were saying, there was no New Japan guys on this show because they were all off taping stuff for New, New Japan Strong. So that kind of like reduced the pressure on using guests and it was all homegrown talent. He was the biggest named guest wrestler, maybe him and Molina, I guess. So, yeah, this seemed to be a lot better of impact doing impact, which is where it's supposed to be. But the actual match itself was fine, and it was pretty good, actually. It was higher standard than most main events I've expected from impact for a long some time. It was better than the match with Omega and Callahan. <laughs> so, yeah. yeah. It didn't take, didn't take as long. <laughs> yeah, yeah, like you said, sometimes just getting back to those nuts and bolts is really all you need, man. Sometimes, uh, you know, overkill is just, you know, a buzzkill. Um, and with this, you know, I'm a, I'm a big Christian Cage uh, guy, I think. I mean, you know, there's some beautiful uh, full circle moment here. Like, if, if Christian didn't get the chance to, to break out the way that he did in TNA, I don't know if you get him here. Because um, building that foundation, because, I mean, that's why he, you know, kind of got to go back to WWE and, and, and be looked at as a single star because he left and had to build his own, you know, um, Self up as a single star and be taken seriously. Yeah. Uh, it's, yeah. It's it, it it's just the kind of like nuts and bolts main event that the impact do really really well and this kind of sailed everything and it was worth watching and I think this entire card was kind of like that. This this felt more like an impact product to me overall than Slammiversary did, which is really bad because Slammiversary is supposed to encapsulate everything impact wrestling is but this felt like a more complete show to me yeah i mean it, it's weird like you know because and I'm, I'm happy for my uh you know that they got to get this back because i almost feel like it got to the point like you said i mean what he started out as an edge head then uh whatever that that stand was in WWE, which was a uh what he was the, the he literally was the biggest loser 
Uh, and I feel like it got to a point where he got comfortable in that, which is, um, you know, very easy to happen in WWE. They, they lower you into this, this, you know, these false insecurity where it's like, well, I'm, I'm still getting a check. Um, <laughs> you, know, you know, he left, went to the independence and was kind of building himself up. But, you know, I think it, it's taking him getting in a situation like this to kind of get me eyes on him because he's kind of stale in some parts to me. And I, and I think, Going back to what we were talking about earlier with Cardone, they kind of locked in certain aspects to that WWE style that it kind of doesn't always mesh well and straight up and down affairs when they need to kind of turn it up. Yeah. Ironically, though, one of the better matches he's had uh, was with Cardona early in the year because um, I think they, they wanted to prove something to each other and then the audience, and then they ended up doing a bunch of Edge and Christian's moves. But... Um, uh, yeah, like you said, I thought the nuts and bolts of this was, was cool, and it's cool. Even though Christian is another guy, uh, to quote Bianca Bella, I was like, you don't need, like, again, the Impact Champion doesn't even go here, but it's, it's, <laughs> it's, it's cool that it's Christian, because like you said, he has that, that TNA background, and I think with this run, because the last time we legitimately seen him in Impact was within TNA, was when they did that weird trade of the weekend between him and Flair when they needed him for the Hall of Fame. Yeah. And, yeah. and she kind of begrudgingly came in and kind of gave a, you, you know, like, hey, I, I showed up. Uh, I, I was here, <laughs> you know. And here he genuinely seems excited to be back. And I think a lot of that energy has to do with, the new, you know, this regime and the good credibility that they built up and him actually acknowledging, you know, what the company has meant for him in his career. So, like, I'd rather it be in his hands than, than Omega's. Uh, but, um because it seems like, you know, his, his narrative is actually geared more towards let's build this up to a point where I can, you know, alleviate this to somebody who deserves the strap. And the fact that I think he recently also retired that TNA title, which was a part of Moose's whole narrative. But, you know, that was that was also cool to see. So Yeah, for sure. It, it worked really, really well. I really enjoyed this experience. I think Gage, it's kind of like, it's taken the edge off of the ooh, belt collector stuff, which is fine and fun for a while, but becomes overbearing. Yeah. And, you know, and like we said, the, the AAA fans are a bit bored because Omega's only defended that title like twice in the last 12 months because he can't get down to Mexico to defend it very often. Having said that, that's less of a problem in Mexico because belts don't mean as much in Mexico. It's masks versus hair matches or hair versus hair matches that really are the moneymaker for AAA. Um. You know, so it's it's it, it's kind of like Omega didn't lose anything by dropping it to Cage, and Cage gains an awful lot by taking it from Omega, which is kind of the ideal win-win situation, isn't it? You yeah. Know, that's 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 what you want to that's what you want to be booking as. So yeah, that was kind of like where the the show fell out, and then I don't, I don't we don't really talk about WWE here. Um, but it was SummerSlam last night, which did see the return of uh, Brock Lesnar and Becky Lynch, um, and particularly bad um, <laughs> return for Becky Lynch in one sense. Fans were not particularly happy with the fact that she beat Bianca Belair in less than two minutes, and I can quite understand why, because, you know, Bianca Belair is really popular, Um and Becky is really popular, but it did seem like a massive waste because why why would you not pull that on television and have the big response like, you know, punk got? 
<laughs> you know, uh, which I mean, if you it, it, you know, knowing who is the ultimate um, pull, you know, string puller behind you know uh, everything that went down on that show, and then and, and what usually comes along with his machinations, it wouldn't be too far fetched to see that like he probably just pulled these two things out just to rival that particular reaction um, or try anyway. It didn't work. Um, but yeah, I mean, I, I want to understand to get the thing with Bianca when I, because I benefited from coming into that show just watching like the last three big matches because apparently it was five hours and I had no time for that. But um, <laughs> I did the YouTube highlight watched it, uh, which was perfectly fine enough for me. But uh, yeah, I, I can see why people are, are kinning that particular bit to the thing with Kofi and Brock um, because you had that great build, you know, to finally get it on Kofi that that run he had. Um, which could have been better in parts, but you know he, he, you know he, did, everybody, you know, did what they did, and Kofi also gave a hundred percent. And then you run him into Lesnar for like seven seconds, and then you do the same thing basically with, with Bianca, except she gets six. Um, and then, you know a lot of people like wait, wait till you know they might turn Bianca heel, which would be better for because she thrives better as a heel. Or, you know, just wait to see what they do. It's like I not holding my breath at all. I will never hold my breath with this company. At yeah. all. Specifically when it, when it comes to, the, the, got to say, a young black talent. I can't do it. You know, they were always, you know, uh, bend the knee to certain things. The Charlotte's will, that that character's narrative, you know, it feels like they, they always, God knows what Brock got paid, but he was smiling for some reason. Um, <laughs> always scary. I, I feel I feel like he gave the man a blank check to, to do that last appearance. Uh, I mean, that last minute appearance. But uh, it's good to see Becky back. Obviously, you know, she has a whole new spin on life and whatnot. It's just that they, they really don't know how to do anything um, w- without, you know, elevating one thing and then shooting something down at the same time. Like, obviously, yeah. they can do things. I don't know what happened with Sasha. I don't know what's going on with that. Um but I, I feel like they could have pulled something because they really shat on two people. They they used Carmella like they did with with um, Keith Lee before Goldberg came back. Um, yeah. Lashley, and then they did the same thing with Carmella. Um, they said, you know, Becky up to to squash um, Bianca. So it's like I don't. You, you can't you can't break down that type of book with any kind of logic because no logic in it exists. Yeah, no, it just doesn't make any sense, really. It just it just doesn't. It's just like I don't see why you can't just like have the big moment on TV when more people will see it as well. It makes no sense. Like surprises work on television shows. I mean, this this is one of the fallacies of the the Bischoff era. Bischoff had access to TNT's um, research groups, and he did research and like did loads of research on the 18 to 30 age group. And you know, and a lot of what Nitro was written around and why it was so successful was because it was based on those focus groups. And they were the he was the first one to really introduce surprises. Uh, it's not new, obviously. Black surprise has been going along forever. I mean, you know, with Jim Cornette's famous thing about stick something in a box and then then you've got a surprise. 
<laughs> you know, back in '93, you know, uh, Jack Fo Mick Foley came out of a box as Cactus Jack. Abdullah Butcher came out as a box. You know, so th there's ways and means of doing it. But the whole point is, you do it on a show where everyone's going to see it, so it builds to something else. You know, Bret Hart used to say, "You win the, you want to win the championship on TV because everybody sees that. You want to lose the championship on pay per view because only the people who want paid for it saw that." You know, you've you've got a definitive audience there. So yeah, it's the I think that's the issue with a lot of this is just like it just seems like bad business. It just doesn't make any sense money wise. Um, from a booking point of view, you could do any number of things, and there's any number of talents on that show that could have filled that spot one way or another then it didn't have to be Becky. You save her for Monday and you get the big pop at the opening of the show. Yeah, it, it, it also continues the conundrum of the SmackDown narrative of people can just come back and insert themselves in, in, in the championship matches and likely get the title. Roman did it. Yeah. Uh, Cena literally just signed a contract that had nothing to do with him and now Becky did it. Like, what is going on here? Like, what what is the point of having... Um, uh, I forget the guy's name with um, what's the point of having GMs or, or any authority figures to make matches if the talent can do it depending on the, the, <laughs> the week it, 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 again it's it just it's dumb yeah it just doesn't seem to make any sense at all but there we go well we've covered just about everything that happened in wrestling in the last seven days and it's felt good I don't know about you Marcus but I've enjoyed this <laughs> oh, I mean, it's always great talking to you. Even if it's something we both hated, we always could be able to. <laughs> um, and that, and uh, obviously, you know, shout out to the UK fans. There's one more piece of wrestling that's gonna happen tonight. I think it's the NXT, what 36 or 37. Um, I know Ilya Dragunov will be going against Walter. You can always bank on UK talent if no one else on the card. Uh, <laughs> Those two are just, you know, big bag of ouch. That's all that shit. It might, yeah. yeah, it might also be the last NXT under the current leadership of the, the company. Um, yeah. Big interview on B Sky Sports this weekend with um, all right, Ariel Helawani, who's one of the guys that uh, works for BBC, uh, works for BT Sports, and he interviewed uh, Nick Khan. Um, and who said, as I'm reading the, the notes here from John Pollock, uh, we are completely going to revamp NXT led by Triple H, who is one of, one of the architects of the original NXT. <laughs> so, yeah. We don't want to just keep doing the same thing. We want to look elsewhere for great young talent. In terms of the NXT rebrand, look for it in the next couple of weeks. It's going to have a whole new look. It's going to have a whole new feel. And we believe because a lot of we, because a lot of indie wrestlers, if you will, have come through our system, and our system is mad and raw now. We don't want to just keep doing the same thing. So yeah, the big revamp of actually getting qualified wrestlers and uh, moving on to unqualified wrestlers is taking place. <laughs> oh, I have no idea what they think they're doing, but there we go. What can you do? But I think, I think from, sorry to keep, we started to wrap the show up and now we're talking about something else. 
But if WWE are going the way they think they're going, that all can only mean like places like Impact and AEW have got a much better chance of keeping talent because it's going to end up being like me and Dara and you and, and John were discussing the other week about the fact that it's going to be territories of style on a big way. And that's pretty much what you're going to get, isn't it? Yeah, I mean, the, the, the great thing is they, they you know, they, they're so big on themselves and, and ironically, they, they are big enough to where they, they are really just pushing people to ironically enough work together and really see that it's just not necessary um, to be under that big umbrella because it, it just it just looks big aesthetically and it doesn't ultimately do anything. Like the concept of Impact, you know, working with New Japan and AEW and NWA at the same time, couple of years ago, this would have been asinine. Mm. This would have been absolutely asinine or, or severely botched across the board, depending on what regime we was in. Um, so, you know, I just, you know, this is just better for everybody. You know, you're seeing all these talent, everybody's getting multiple uh, and consistent checks, which is always, you know, uh, the goal and, and getting to work with and, and face off with talent. They wouldn't be elsewhere and actually having the creative freedom to not look stupid on TV for no good God reason. So, you know, uh, I appreciate the big headedness. You know, th- thankfully, I'm no longer, you know, under the brainwashing that other people are. <laughs> okay, then. Where can we find you on the internet, Marcus? Absolutely hit me up on Twitter uh, at Paradox Kid. That's P A R A D O X K I D. Always down to talk. Love the True Penny Show fans. There you go. You can find me at Sheriff Lone Star on Twitter. You can find the show Troopany Show on Twitter. You can find us on Facebook of the Troopany Show and Patreon of the Troopany Show, where you can keep the Troopany Show free forever for everyone. Uh, we'll see you next week. We'll be discussing Peter Pan from DDT as Yonakayama defends the DDT uh, KOD Championship. Take care, and we'll speak to you soon. Bye. <laughs>